by creating this place here, I wanted to kind of give other people that experience to come where food would be prepared for you, where you could learn about the benefits of making these choices. But what those two places didn't have that we have here is the animals, you know, so that the animals to me are the biggest motivators for most people coming. Welcome to the Creative Solutions Podcast. On the show, it's my job to tease out the creative solutions my guests are coming up with to change the world through creativity, social action, and mindset. I also give you tips and techniques so you can do the same. This episode is brought to you by my class, Meditation for Busy People, where you'll learn how to relieve stress and discover clarity and joy in just five minutes a day. It's also brought to you by the Brain FM app and this podcast host, Podbean. Also, follow the podcast on Instagram or TikTok and check out our shop for merch, music, and musings. The links are all in the show notes. Hello, and welcome to the Creative Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Isolde Trachtenberg. Super happy that you're here. And I am super honored, happy, and thrilled to have this week's guest, Lisa Robinson. Let me tell you about Lisa and the amazing work she's doing, and you're going to love her as much as I do. Lisa spent most of her career in the financial services industry and founded the Red Robin Song Animal Sanctuary and Guest House in 2010. In 2020, she left her career in financial services to focus on the Animal Sanctuary full-time. Isn't that amazing? The guest house has been temporarily closed to work on a remodel with plans to reopen soon. But in the meantime, Lisa's taking care of a bunch of really amazing critters. I'm so honored to have you on the show, Lisa. Thank you for being here. Welcome. Thank you. So happy to be here. I am so psyched. I, I've been to the sanctuary. I've met a bunch of the animals you share your home with, and I think they're all amazing. And I love your story. Financial services. No, I don't want to just do that. I want to help animals. I'm going to switch my whole life around and I'm going to do something else. I would love to know what happened there that you went, you know what, I'm I'm living here, you were in New York City, from what I understand, and you were working in financial services. And then you went, I really want to work on helping animals. And this is it. How did that come about? What happened that you were inspired to do this amazing thing on behalf of the animals and the people? Well, um, how this all came about, and I actually, I never lived in New York City. I started my career in financial services in Chicago, which is where ah, I'm from. Okay, got um, it. Yes. And, um, well, it's kind of a two-part question. What inspired me initially, I became vegan first. Um, mm -hmm. You know, my eyes kind of opened to a lot of things around that topic. Um, what inspired me to take those initial steps was unfortunately, um, just seeing so many of my family members suffer and die um, because of lifestyle choices. Wow. Um, it was actually my grandfather's doctor um, over 20 years ago, who opened my eyes to how deadly eating animal products can be. So um, I became vegan um, over tw uh, 20 years ago, um, while I was working within financial services. So um, I moved from Chicago, uh, from the Midwest area to New York, to upstate New York, where I am right now as part of a job transfer. And in 2010, while I was still working in the industry, I founded the Vegan B&B and the Animal Sanctuary. So for the first 10 years, um, I was doing both. Um, and after 10 years of working a full-time job, mm. traveling for work, financial services, running the Animal Sanctuary and the guest house, obviously not giving it the time and attention that I wanted it to. It was kind of like weekends and as much as I could do while still working my job, mm -hmm. it was just too much. So uh, to answer your question, what inspired me to then do this full time kind of to, to focus on the next chapter, um, I left uh, in 2020, right, right before COVID and all these other things happened all at the same time. So the timing wasn't perfect, but um, I, I couldn't wait any longer. So oh. I hope that answers your question. It does. And it's interesting to me. I love that you said to focus on the next chapter. To me, that there's such a there's a lot of courage in, in that little statement. I know it doesn't sound like a big statement, but it really is to, to, to realize that it's time to say goodbye to the old and to embrace the new without really 
knowing what's going to happen. And certainly COVID changed everything for everybody. And yet that transition of old to new or known to unknown, it does, it takes courage. So can you talk to me a little bit about what that's like for you? Because I don't know, I don't know you all that well, I have to admit, and I'd like to know you better, but there's, there is some sort of mindset stuff that has to happen when you grab yourself up by the bootstraps and go, this is it, I'm going to do it. So what was what was in your mind? Not not so much, oh, I'm going to talk about family members or I'm going to talk about the animals themselves, but you, Lisa, something gave you the courage to make those choices. And it wasn't just, I can't do it anymore because many people slave away <laughs> for years and decades and keep doing jobs they don't necessarily find fulfilling or whatever because this is how they've always done it. But for you, it became a, I don't care if this is how I've always done it. I'm going to make a change. How did that come about for you internally? Oh, why? That's a good question. I, a lot of things kind of happened at once. You know, um, I knew eventually I wanted to do this full time, um, but I really thought it would take a lot longer. You mm. know, I've always been the type of person who feels like you have to be 100% ready, you know, like save more money, um, wait until the timing is just right. Um, you know, it, it, for a long time, it felt too soon. I'm, I'm going for making a very nice income in financial services and not having to rely so much on donors and donations, you know, knowing that I could financially support the animals all the time when I had a good steady job. Um, but I think, um, it was just quite honestly, as some of the animals had been um, aging, you know, getting older. I just felt like, gosh, if I don't do this now, when am I going to, you know? So I think that, um, there was also kind of a sense of urgency to, um, make what I'm doing here more meaningful because although I felt like we were doing good work here, taking care of the animals, um, that was, that's always the first priority. Um, the guest house part of it, um, introducing people to this way of life, trying to get them to make lifestyle changes. I just wasn't giving it enough attention. I felt like I was putting all my time and effort into this financial services industry and job and not putting, you know, giving my kind of leftover time, what was left to this mission, which was really important. So yeah, I, I, it wasn't just one thing. I think it was kind of like a lot of different things happening at once. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm listening to you and I'm kind of going, I think everybody can relate to the thing you feel like you have to do and the thing you want to do being so different and also the thing you quote unquote have to do being the thing that gets so much of your energy. You know, we spend one third of our lives sleeping. We spend one third at least of our lives working. And then the, the other eight hours, we're trying to eke out everything else we're trying to do. Right. And and so for you, that that motion of, of you know what, I'm going to take that one third of my life that I've been spending working on this job that isn't as fulfilling and and shift things over so that, you know, you just you told me right before we started recording this chat that you were you had just come in from uh, some, you know, really, really, really blazing hot work outside and 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 you know but, but see that's the thing though i don't i don't hear resentment in your voice you're like i was working and it feels to me like when i visited the the sanctuary this is a labor of love for you no matter how difficult it is it's always a labor of love and and can you talk a little bit about that about what is that process like for you? What is the satisfaction like? What is what is the emotional uh, bottom line for you with dedicating your life to these animals and to helping people discover them and discover a different way of living? Yeah, it's um, yeah. I mean, of course, as you said, it's it's physical work, it's hard hard work, but I really love doing what I do. It's 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 very difficult, but the um the the two things go together so well you know taking care of the animals all these ambassadors here and it's not we're a small sanctuary compared to the other ones out there it's you know just under 50 animals so that's 
small when you compare ourselves to some of the other huge sanctuaries out there. But of course, it's it's huge for the fact that I'm the only full time person. And then I have mm-hmm. other volunteers here. I have two live in people who do great work, but it's not like full, full time. Um, so animals are always a first priority, taking care of them. And then when guests come to visit, um, the the satisfaction of having people, especially who aren't familiar with our mission, they're, they're not familiar with the benefits of veganism and how animals are treated to support the lifestyle, you know, the lifestyle choices that they make. Um, the, the satisfaction is really great as they get to meet the animals, see their personalities, and then kind of learn where they came from and how it relates to um, to choices that people are making every day. I'm taking a minute so, to let that soak yeah. in. So, yeah, um, go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's so hard to ar- ar- articulate this. Um, it this this whole thing is very emotional for me too because um, I. Uh, Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> it's so hard for me to talk about this, but um my um my grandfather I mentioned to you before mm-hmm. um passed away from uh prostate cancer, which was um really directly related to his diet and his lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um since then I've had other fam and that that's why um I became vegan and I started looking into this for health reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, once once I realized how um, what we do, what we eat, choices that we make also impact animals and the planet, that was even a bigger motivation for me. But um, to see what my grandfather went through and then um, sadly in 2020, I didn't even mention this when you said what were you know some of the decisions that finally made you, what were some of the things that happened to finally make you make that decision to focus on this full time? It was also my uncle passed away in 2020 and I had been trying to talk to him for years about how his diet and choices that he made um, were impacting his health. So um, mm. anyway, the, the work that I'm doing now is very um um, satisfying because a lot of people that come to stay, they meet the animals, they find out how they're exploited, they find out how unhealthy some of their habits are, um, and they do commit to making changes and they're excited about it. And they come back to me for advice on cooking and recipes and diet. So it's um, it's little changes. You know, it's, it's unfortunately not always something earth shattering. The amount of people that come and stay and meet the animals and say, I'm going vegan tomorrow, unfortunately, isn't, <laughs> isn't very common at all. Um, but we do have a lot of people who I think learn a lot from the animals and the information that we give them. Um, and that's really satisfying to me. So that's kind of why we're doing this, why we do the work here that we do. Thank you for sharing that. I know that it was difficult to, to talk about and and the last thing you said, the why, is so important to me. And it's interesting that you said, you know, the people who go, that's it. I'm going vegan t- today, now, <laughs> is is relatively small. And my own journey towards vegetarianism and then veganism was starting to ask the questions. It did not happen overnight. It. I started thinking about where is where on the cow was this burger or this steak Mm -hmm. you know that those were the questions i started asking myself and then i went to this place where i could not eat food that looked like the animal it was so stop being able to eat lobster and stop being able to eat shrimp Uh, i've never eaten chicken in my life but that's a different story so it took it was incremental and then something happened with a theater uh, thing I was involved with with Antigone and the play my, my director I was the assistant director and the director really wanted people to get a visceral understanding of what uh, uh, leaving a body unburied in in the hot summer air would do and so he got an entire side of cow from a butcher and hung it up from the ceiling and that was and I had to see that what was happening to that corpse as we ran the show and then i went ah, that's it that this is i it finally hit me 
that that was the moment. And so it wasn't right away, but boy, was it. When it happened, it happened. And so it seems to me like you're giving people a starting line. There's something there. And there's a cognitive dissonance that happens also. Well, but it's not these animals. It's not these goats. It's not these yaks. It's not these chickens or rabbits or whatever. These are fine. I, you know, when I go to eat rabbit stew or whatever it is I'm going to go eat, that's not these rabbits. And so there's a separation that has to take place. But I think it does at one point or another become something that you can't ignore. And I think that's a that's a service that you may not uh, credit yourself for providing, but I think you're providing it for people, you know, like (laughs) you're giving them a starting point. So I, I want to thank you for that. I think it's really important. Um, thank you. And, you know, one thing I forgot to mention that I think is important, um, that's a big piece of all this, uh, if I could just go back to of course, when you mentioned what inspired me to start this. Um, when I first um, was interested in veganism or interested in how eating animals impacted my health or how it impacted them or the planet, um, I had... I I was so lucky at that time in my life, I had the opportunity to attend um, a couple of uh, um, health institute retreats. Mm. Um, There's a place called Optimum Health Institute in San Diego and Hippocrates Health Institute um, in West Palm Beach, Florida. Um, They are both actually raw food um, uh, health institutes where you could go and spend time. I, I, I was lucky enough back then to attend both of their three-week programs. And that's when I went vegan. And I um, it was so easy. So when, when I actually checked into these places and they prepared food, I attended classes, we watched videos, I was surrounded by 100% support the whole time. So when I left, um, after my first stay at one of those places, um, I never looked back. Um, I, I didn't um, eat raw or or to, to the extent health wise as they promoted, you know, pure whole food or raw food. But I remained vegan when I checked out. And I see people today that really want to make changes for their health, for the animals or their planet, and they just have trouble. Um, they can't stick to it. They they relapse um, because they don't have the opportunity that I did. I, I realize mm. how difficult it is when you're surrounded that by people that aren't supportive. Um, so by creating this place here, I wanted to kind of give other people that experience um, to come where food would be prepared for you, where you could learn about you know, the benefits of making these choices. Um, but what those two places didn't have that we have here is the animals, you know, mm-hmm. so that the animals to me are the biggest motivators for most people coming. Uh, as you mentioned before, for most people, it's a transition and they have to do it little by little because it's it's just so hard to make choices, even though they seem, you know, so important um, when your, your mind and your body is trained a certain way, you know, ever since you were a a little kid, um, it's not easy to make some of these changes. For sure. I personally was a hardcore carnivore when I was a kid. You could not get me to eat vegetables at all. And it wasn't until college where I started realizing, ah, again, where's this food coming from? And then who's suffering to make me this burger or whatever and then i remember distinctly i had ordered uh beep i was at a korean place and ordered bibimbap with no beef so it was vegan and the friend i was with was like what are you doing as if i had (laughs) committed some sort of crime by not ordering dead cow on my bibimbap and so there's a fair amount of pressure about that for people to 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 keep eating animals and certainly we get a lot of commercials and a lot of the lot the animal agriculture lobby is so strong and i talk about that a lot that it's that that we're being fed a steady diet of eat meat eat meat eat meat drink milk drink milk drink milk and it takes i think uh, some real critical thinking skills to go wait a minute why what is all of this about and 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 then really go further and start thinking about not just your health but the health of the animals and speaking of the animals 
Talk to me about the animals. Who who is behind door number one? Who is behind door number two? <laughs> I mean, I love I, we had such fun meeting them, Rich and I, and love, love, love that there's video of Rich juggling for the pigs oh, and juggling gosh, for the goats. <laughs> That was so much fun. Uh, yes, we love enter- having people entertain the animals. They entertain us so much. Um, well, we have seven different kind of groups or species of, of animals. Um, I'll start with the rabbits because, um, you know, we've been talking about food so much and how, um, you know, we like to show people how healthy and, and great vegan food is. But there's a lot of other things that people do without thinking that um, harm animals, harm themselves and harm the planet, that it's not hard to stop. They just don't have the information. Mm -hmm. Um, And one example is uh, the rabbits. So we have um, a huge rabbit um, area. We named it the Fluffle Fortress because a group of (laughs) Fluffle. Um, They all live there. And um, they're really good ambassadors and really help us start the conversation about thinking about what you buy um, beyond food. Um, rabbit is one of those animals that, although they are used for meat, um, most, I don't know, there's still uh, carnivores, even even carnivores or people that traditionally eat meat, they still won't eat rabbit because they think it's, um, they, they look at a rabbit like a cat or a dog or a pet. But rabbit are, rabbits are used for so many things that people are unaware of. And the best example I can give you is when people check into our guest rooms and we explain how all the bath and body products are vegan and cruelty-free, um, I'm just amazed at people who don't really understand what that means. Um, so when I explain that these particular products, um, these companies don't test on animals, the amount of people that still say, oh, I didn't think they did that anymore. Um, they just don't know. Um, and so when I talk about how the bath and body products that we use are um, vegan, cruelty-free, mm-hmm. um, they use them. Of course, there's no difference from the products that they use themselves, other than many times they're healthier, paraben-free, they don't use as many chemicals. And um, that's the type of thing that people, most people won't commit to going vegan overnight because it's so hard to stop eating the beloved foods they grew up, grew up with. But people are much more likely to say, oh, I can easily change my shampoo or my deodorant or my body lotion and just look for that vegan and cruelty-free label or that no animal testing label. Um, The rabbits, um, some of them did come from the meat industry. Um, Most of them from just kind of a hoarding, hoarding cases. Um, It's, uh, Um, so many rabbits end up in the shelters or euthanized because people buy them as novelty gifts or pets. Mm. I I know, you know, um, many bunnies are sold for Easter as gifts and they don't even make it to their first birthday because they're, you know, not, not wanted anymore. Um, they're used in the fur industry, of course, not just for fur coats. There's so many people that say I would never wear a fur coat. I would never wear a rabbit fur coat, but they own a lot of clothing, sweaters with Angora, with rabbit fur, with other, uh, um, uh, and we do have a one Angora rabbit to kind of show that example and people are horrified. Um, so, um, yeah, so the rabbits are really good to kind of lead into that conversation about different choices they could make. Um, then, uh, we have, um, we have yaks, we have Tibetan yaks, which is definitely something that is a first time, um, for most people to see when they come and visit us. Um, they, um, also came from the meat industry, um, from a meat farm. Yaks have been brought here to be bred for, for meat. Luckily, these guys were rescued, um, and they're, uh, beautiful to watch uh, from a distance. They're not friendly <laughs> and it's it's not one of the animals that guests are able to interact with while they're here. Though they did like rich juggling for them. I remember that. <laughs> they, they're, they're so curious and um, yeah, they, they're, they're not necessarily uh, aggressive, but they're just very um, uh, uh, unpredictable. <laughs> but yeah, they were just, I've never seen them, honestly, so curious when Rich came and did his juggling act for them. They really enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> um, the pigs we have here also came from a meat farm. Um, definitely 
bred for that purpose. Um, and again, another example of uh, especially guests visiting from the city, they're just shocked when they see these pigs because some of them are close to I just I, seven seven hundred pounds, and they're just so startled. They never expected them to be that size, and unfortunately, that's because most pigs that people see. Um, they're, they're slaughtered at such a young age, they don't get a chance to grow that big. So unless mm. they go to an animal sanctuary um, where you'll see many pigs that size, it's something that they're not used to seeing. And of course, how wonderfully intelligent and playful and fun the pigs are. The pigs also were just fascinated with the juggling uh, juggling act that Rich put on for them. That was so much fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> That was awesome. I love. I personally just loved it because it was so. Uh, it was so interesting. He 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 was running around trying to get them to get excited at first, and they were like side eyeing him. You know who is this guy? And then they realized, oh, this is fun, and it was yeah. just beautiful moment. The goats weren't as interested as I recall. One of the goats was it? I forget. Was it Char the name Charlie? Derek. 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 That's right. Derek was away. just running around around rich but not very interested and rich got so bummed out he was like he doesn't like my juggling eric always wants to be the center of attention so ah. he was jealous of rich getting all this attention i think from from everybody else <laughs> I, I i understand i understand rich also always wants to be the center of attention so there was a a, 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 a they, there was a butting of heads there metaphorically speaking uh so yeah I, was that it or were there other animals that oh, you wanted um, to talk about no, there's 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 more uh quickly if if, if we have time of course um, well, we have all the time all, in the world before, before i move from the pigs um so the pigs have been here for a few years um but as you remember we we left somebody out when i talked about the pigs about two years ago i think um this beautiful black and white stray cat wandered into the pig area um and was very curious we've since named him uh rainbow and he lives with the pigs now he was mm. a bit scruffy when he first arrived and he um decided that he wanted to live among the pigs and he's there all the time now walking around with them he sleeps with them um we started feeding him giving him water uh we we've haven't been able to get close enough to him to pet him or take him in for vet care or anything like that but we're getting closer and closer to him every day and he I mean, in the wintertime, when they all go in for bed, he goes right in there with them. And it's the, the cutest thing. So in addition to the pig herd there, we have one one cat named Rainbow. <laughs> I love that. I had no idea. Oh, maybe he didn't. Yeah, he, he's very shy. So he probably didn't make an appearance. I'll have to send you some pictures. <laughs> um, and then we have um, we have one uh, one dog, Wiley who is a great ambassador, of course, for why you should adopt. Um, he uh, was at his last shelter for, I think, seven months. The, wow. um, the rescue person said that that's the longest she's ever had a dog there. He was returned once before he came to her. He hadn't had a home for three to four years. And he's the most amazing dog ever. You know, he just, um, for whatever reason, wasn't chosen and um, didn't make the right fit for the last family and I can't imagine why um, but he's the perfect addition to our family here and we have seven cats we wow. have um, three goats the the goats uh, in addition to Derek there are two other goats Gus and Tilly and Gus and Tilly actually came here in 2010 um, when the when the sanctuary was first um, started and they were kind of um the push to open the sanctuary uh, a visit to catskill um showed us that there were um a family of goats that uh, needed a home and uh that kind of inspired us to to start the sanctuary and start growing the animals um so we have three goats now and um oh and a mini horse and donkey sheriff and marshall I think that's everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's your own menagerie. That's so phenomenal. I love it. Um, and at one time we did do, I did, I have a wild 
license, wildlife rehabilitation license, and I was um, doing um, wildlife rehab for orphan beavers, um, mm -hmm. which was one of the most amazing, rewarding experiences ever. Um, we would just take care of them when they were babies and then release them back into the wild. I'm not doing that right now. It just came to be um, time constraints. It was just too much to do right now. Mm -hmm. um, but I also like to talk to people to continue to raise awareness about caring for our wildlife. Um, beaver is an example of an animal that people consider a nuisance animal and they try to um, get rid of, you know, trap them, you, um, you know, have them taken off their property. Um, but there's so many ways you can learn to live with wildlife. So that's another thing like we like to talk about. We don't physically care for wildlife right now, but we are seated on 85 acres. And as we walk the grounds with guests, you could definitely see wildlife everywhere. And there's definitely importance to make sure that they're taken care of and we live in harmony with nature. So that's another thing that we like to talk about a lot. I, I love that you said that, that it, it, that it is uh, in harmony with nature when, when, when you live alongside these wonderful beings. And I, I keep thinking, uh, I found uh, a baby rat who had been stuck to a glue trap and mm -hmm. we named him Riley and he, he didn't make it. Unfortunately, he made it for a week, a little bit less than a week. And, uh, apparently there were some neurological issues with him. But, uh, the thing that I kept thinking about, cause I don't, I don't want to talk about Riley cause I'll get all sad, um, and start crying and I'm the host and I'm not supposed to cry on the show. Um, <laughs> But but the thing that I keep thinking is, you know, they were here first, right? So that's that's so much of this for me is that is that the the animals on this is their habitat, right? So we we are the interlopers and and we need to be very concerned and aware of our status when it comes to the greater ecosystem. And so, like you said, with the beavers, there are ways to live alongside them. And if somebody says, like, you're not doing wildlife re rehab right now, but if somebody says, okay, how, how do I do that? Do you have any resources that you could recommend for people to, to go, okay, I live in, I live in New York City and I'm right now going through and I'm wandering around and I'm picking up glue traps wherever I see them and, and chucking them. Uh, that's become one of my personal missions. And so, but, but at the same time, there are things that we can do living in the, on the East coast, especially where we've got so much population density what would you recommend someone who's like, I want to live alongside the animals and I, I don't want to hurt them and I and I want to make sure that they have their space and I have my space. What recommendations would you give to someone who wants to do that? And what are some resources, if you have any, to offer where someone could go and go, I want to learn more about how to do that? Well, I'll, I'll tell you um, two things. One, as far as wildlife, um, there's usually, it depends on where you live, there's usually some type of wildlife rehabilitation hotline or group that you can easily find. Um, I'm trying to, I, I wish I had, there's probably a website where you can put in your zip code and it directs you to one specifically. And I, I'm sorry, I don't have that resource, but I will find out and get back to you. Oh, that'd um, be great. But um, yeah, just there, there's there, there's not a lot, but there's local organizations that are willing to help. They, they're they're not staffed, you know, they don't have many, most of them are all volunteers. They don't have a lot of time to go out and physically help. So when they have someone that just wants information and wants to learn how to, to help or get along, they're usually more than willing to give that information. But a great thing to do is, um, as an example, in the state of New York, to get your wildlife rehabilitation license, it's, I forgot how much it is. When I did it, it was like $20. So it's it's basically free. Um, you get a book later, you get information, you study, you take a test, and there's some uh, very simple steps you can take. But there's so much information, and you're not required to ever do anything with it. So really, if someone is really, really interested, I would suggest uh, whatever state you live in, um, find out how to get your license to be a wildlife rehabilitator um, because that will teach you a lot, everything that we're talking about, and they give you a lot of resources. And it really even just prepares you, even if you don't want to be a wildlife rehabilitator, that's okay. But you're going to have the basic information. So when you're driving down the road and you see a weak, sick animal, 
you at least know what to do immediately and then um, make sure that you give that animal the best chance before you take that to a, a rehabilitator that has more experience. Um, um, so I, I, I tell people that all the time and their, their first response is always, oh, I don't have time you know, to do that. It's okay, you don't have to be on a list, you're not gonna get phone calls, but you'll learn a lot um, because each animal requires completely different care um, and those first critical hours are important. So that will teach you what we were talking about, how to live better in harmony with them, but also how to take care of them if you find a sick or injured animal. I think that's a great idea. And and it's interesting, uh, when I found Riley Rat, I named him I named him Riley. When I found Riley Rat, uh, I con I contacted a whole bunch of the rehabbers listed on the New York State and New York City lists. Um, mm -hmm. Unfortunately, only one person got back to me and, and said, no, I, I don't, you know, many people don't take rats because of whatever reason. And, uh, you know, th that's just, that's how it is. And so uh, anybody who is a rehabber who is interested in doing this work, that's, you're doing sacred work if you do that, I think, because, um, because you're directly participating in helping an injured sentient being who need, who needs your help, you know, who, for whom nobody else maybe might step up. So you would be doing, right. you would be doing crucial, critical work. Um, and even, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because you said you called, you didn't get a call back, you didn't get a call back. And it's not because they don't care. It's because they're just bombarded and overloaded. Sure. So even if um, I also hear people say, Oh, I'm, squeamish or I get sad, I, I, you know, or I'm, I'm scared, I can't deal with, you know, wildlife. But um, there's opportunities to um, educate yourself, be aware of all that information and just help with the hotline. So somebody could just um, be uh, a volunteer to take those calls. And so when they get people like yourself calling that say, um, oh, my gosh, you know, there's a family of um, baby mice in my garage and uh, they can't stay there because, you know, of, of, I have of, a cat. And, yes. Or, or something like, what do I do? Because people are always doing the wrong things. Mm, you know, um, mm -hmm. you find a, a, you know, you know, you always hear about people seeing a fawn in the forest without his mother. And so they think they're helping and they grab the baby fawn and they take him to a rehabber when they should have just left her alone. Um or baby rabbits that people just don't know what to do. And so mm -hmm. that hotline that you tried calling, no answer, no answer, no answer. That means these poor animals aren't going to make it. If someone's just there to man the phone and that can give them that basic information, that's saving a life without really making much of a commitment or having to spend too much time. So yeah, definitely it's a, a, a great fun thing to do. You'll learn a lot. It, cost almost nothing. Um, and it's a good step in the right direction. And then as you gain your confidence, then one day you, you can work with the animals directly if you choose. Yeah. And it's so, you know, I mean, to me, like when I, when I did finally get a re a, a rehab rescuer person, she's like, you need to let me know right now because I have other, you know, there are people in the queue. There are people in the queue calling. Yeah. There are animals I need to go take care of. And it's it's never ending. And so mm -hmm. if you want to get involved and, and I'm, I'm I've decided I'm going to talk to Rich and see about doing more of this work. Um, I want oh. to get more involved and get and get more into it. But but if you have if you have the resources, I think it's a really great idea uh, to, to try. Quick thing, I know we're spending a lot of time on this, but another, this is when I first, um, my first experience helping with wildlife was um, years ago, I just saw a volunteer opportunity as a transporter. There's a huge need for that. You could be on a list. So when these rehabbers that are home taking care of all these animals and they can't leave them for a minute and they get a call that, um, you know, like an elderly person that, that can't take the animal themselves, just need someone to transport an animal from point A to point B. If you just have a car and you're mm. willing to go somewhere and just pick pick up a cage and drive it somewhere, um, there's a huge need for that. There's maybe rehabbers that will get the animal and get it in a cage, but they can't drive the 45 minutes where there's a rehabber that can keep them for the several days it will take to, to bring them back to health. So the, the opportunities are endless for how you can help in that area. Absolutely. And I have a car and that's one of the things I've already signed up to do is to be a transport person. But oh, let, great. So yeah, yeah, that that I can do. You know, that's the, <laughs> I'm happy to do that. And 
I will be doing more. But 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 I want to I want to shift gears because we could keep talking about this. It's such an important topic. But I, I want to shift gears a little bit towards the the vegan guest house itself. I mean, I've been I've been to the sanctuary and spent time in the guest house, and it's just lovely. And you and I are talking about me perhaps doing a workshop, uh, a writing workshop there in in the late summer early autumn so there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that you are planning and going into and figuring out in order to bring this more out into the world but i'd love it if you talk a little bit about the actual vegan guest house and you mentioned very briefly about how your sanctuary and vegan guest house are going to work symbiotically to help people make some of these transitions who might be interested in making them towards veganism but there's there's this interesting tie-in between your and i don't mean you personally i mean in general between your health and the well-being of these animals that are at the sanctuary can you talk a little bit about how that works and what your vision for that is sure yeah um so the first 10 years so we ran this guest house from 2010 to 2020 and since it was just kind of on a part-time basis most of the people coming to stay and most of the work that was done were people coming for a weekend stay um and some of them weren't even coming here specifically for the guest house as that this was the destination they were coming to a wedding or they were going to Tanglewood. Um, we're right near the uh, the Berkshires. Um, so it's a very popular place for people to come and visit. Um, so we did get in front of people that, that really um, didn't know that much about this and were interested. And I think we made some changes, but it was just such a short period of time. Um, we did we were able to hold a few retreats and some people did come here as a destination to stay for a week because they wanted to make that final step to go vegan or to eat healthier vegan to lower their cholesterol or to lose weight and that was the that's where i really felt we were doing the most good so that's what i would like to focus on going forward um so to answer your question yes the writing retreat that we're talking about um or other um, other events where we're focused on certain topics and we can really work together more with our guests so they could, um, you know, just get more out of the visit is, is what we'd like to focus on. Um, how the animals and the health tie in, I think that was one of your questions. Mm -hmm. I think that when you talked earlier about, you know, how so many people are carnivores, they're used to eating meat, you know, they're, they're, it's very difficult for them to give that up for most people for myself even if even if you know very well something's good for you um and there's health reasons you should stop eating something um it's just it, it's not enough for some reason it's it's tough you know i know sugar is not good for me um i know it's probably detrimental for my health but i still cave and i still eat sugar but if I knew that sugar was somehow damaging animals, you know, or, or or the environment, if there was something really, really bad about it that impacted other things, it would be very easy. So I think when people come to stay and they eat delicious food and they learn how to prepare vegan meals and they're in an environment where they can get to know the animals that it's impacting in a, a positive way, um, I think it's a lot easier to make those changes. So since the guest house is at the sanctuary, um, it's combining everything together in one location, I think, to give everybody their best possible chance of getting motivated to um, eat and make purchases in a way that helps in so many ways, helps their health, helps the environment um, and the lives of animals. Yay. And by, by, <laughs> and by focusing on something like this, 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 right. So we've done other things um, where we have a retreat on a topic unrelated to this, to draw in a completely new client base. Like um, we had a reuse retreat once here where it was focused on people who are interested in recycling and reusing and that, and building things with reused materials. Um, 
so we have a completely other topic that also helps maybe not their health so much but animals in the environment and then oh we're also going to serve vegan food and teach you all these other things um and and when vegans came to stay they could be eating vegan food um but maybe they're buying plastic all day long you know not reusing not recycling and not realizing how that's impacting animals there's just so many different things we can all learn i'm learning new things every day um how we could be doing things better and i just love tying it all in together and that's such a beautiful thing right there is that it it it's sort of it it's a it's a, becomes a self-perpetuating cycle when you start incorporating new knowledge and going oh and this ties in here and this ties in there and there is this web of interconnectedness and interdependence that we often don't sort of pay attention to on a day-to-day -day basis but it's definitely there and when i work with kids for example i will ask them to follow a drop of water through the hydrologic cycle and when they see all of the different ways and all of the different places that drop of water could go like you're going to drink it. You're going to pee it out. That's going to go here and it's going to go to the, you know, and, and we don't, we don't think about that. But once these kids do, they really start asking those questions. And it's the same when we're talking about French fries, you know, where do French fries come from? And they're like McDonald's and I'm like, aha, but let's go back and let's see that they grow in the soil and all of this other stuff. And it's interesting because when I talk to children, and this happened with my niece and my brother-in-law took me to task because my niece asked me why I didn't, you know, I, I, why I was vegan. And I said, because I don't want to hurt animals. And he got very angry at me. How dare you make my daughter feel bad for eating animals? And I'm like, she asked me and I told her the truth. I told her my reason. And for him, it was very difficult. It was a very, very difficult moment because my truth butted up against his notion of what his daughter should hear and we don't censor ourselves i don't censor myself i i will be very honest with somebody who goes i want to i want to know your reasons and so when when you're in this place and someone's coming to the guest house and do you do you have people who come and who who get sort of defensive and if so how do you handle that and if not yay but really if are there people who who how how do you react or respond to someone who has resistance around what the sort of the the space and the goal is of the sanctuary yeah, that's that's one thing that's very difficult. So to answer your question, um, yes, I always am honest and and speak my mind and tell tell the truth um, about about why I'm here and why we do what we do, um, and especially when we would have people, as I alluded to earlier, oh, I'm here for a wedding, I'm here for a ski trip, I just need a place to stay. They don't even know. There's a couple times where they didn't even know we were a vegan guest house. So um, I've, I've, I've gotten a little bit, um, I want to say better over the years, because although I agree with you, you need to be honest and give them your reasons. In the beginning, I think there was a couple situations where it did get not just into they were a little defensive, but I was not as calm and nice as I should be. And we almost, <laughs> you know, got into it unnecessarily. Um, deeper than we needed to you know mm. I, I need to kind of remind myself that this is the first time people are hearing about this you know i was at that place one time too um so although yes i'm going to tell them all the the reasons i need to be a little bit more patient with with those people i try to find out kind of how much they know about it where they're at um and yeah i mean we we've had uh, not as many situations as I would think, you know, most people, once they see that we're sanctuary and the animals, they, they, they try to be respectful. Um, and we've had a couple people decide not to eat breakfast here and just go somewhere else to eat breakfast because they couldn't have one meal without including animal products. And that was always so sad to me, but For sure. it happens and I'm sure it'll happen again, but, um, you know, everything can't always go as perfectly as you hope, <laughs> but most of the time, um, it's 
just the complete opposite. Um, and, and what happens so often, uh, not so much now because veganism is everywhere and, and most people have tried a lot of these things, but in the early years when people would come and find they're eating a vegan breakfast, I, I could tell they were very hesitant and expecting it not to taste very good. Mm. And when they have their coffee with the, you know, soy milk creamer and the pancakes and the vegan sausage, they were just shocked at how good it tastes, you mm -hmm. know, and they just couldn't understand it. They, well, how are these pancakes so fluffy? Why? I, I can't believe, you know, they, they expected them to taste like cardboard because they just didn't have any experience with that. Or if you bring them vegan donuts, they're just, they're so avoidant of anything that says vegan on it that they just expect it to taste terrible. Right. Um, and then, yeah, some of them are more open than others to finding out why it's so important to change and how it impacts animals and their health. Um, and, and that's another big thing that I, I've learned from my experience in financial services and sales. Um, the financial services and running a vegan B&B and guest house uh, sanctuary seem to be so completely different. But the one common theme between the two that transitions beautifully is what I learned about sales because i am in sales now trying to sell people on the idea of not uh, exploiting animals and the biggest thing i learned is when people come in and ask questions why are you vegan i never go back immediately and say because it's healthier or because i love animals or because it's good for the environment um until i find out a little bit more about them and find out why they're asking me that question mm. because if i go back to them and ask a question and they come back with yeah my my friend's vegan um you know my cholesterol is at 300 and all of my family members died of heart disease and i don't think i could ever give up eating animals but i am thinking about it a little bit because of that. So now knowing that he just said that, I'm not going to talk at all about the animals because he just said his family members have all died. He's he's really sick. He has high cholesterol. If I only have a few minutes with him, I'm going to talk more about the health benefits because that's going to be the most likely way to get them interested. Um, and just like me, that that's, I was, even though now my main motivation is, is, is the animals, what surprisingly what got me started on this path even though i loved animals too was because my grandfather just died and i've seen family members get sick um, and that's what led me down that path so i think how you talk to people and how you broach the subject and how you kind of have to bite your tongue sometime is not just get into an argument with them um is, is really important um if you have that end goal of of getting them to to make changes and I think that's so much uh, a part of this is, uh, to me, this, this, that we, we're being respectful of the sensibilities. And I will be honest, it's very hard for me when people say, well, everybody has to make their own choice. And I'm like, okay, everybody has to make their own choice, but the animals aren't getting a choice. And that's and that to me is the the ultimate thing why I have a tough time being patient with it. And, uh, you know, to me, success would be we don't ever eat animals again and it's all over. You know, there's no there's no it doesn't exist anymore. And I have a feeling we're going to get there in a couple hundred years. But in the meantime, we're still in a position where we are fighting the good fight, as it were. But I want to I want to ask you a couple. I, I could keep you here forever, Lisa. This is super fun. Um, I, I want to ask you you are a 501c3 and you you know when you you said earlier when you had a job you could you could really uh, pay for things to take care of the animals but now you're doing this full time and you have volunteers how do you fund this and if somebody goes oh i want to help fund it what would they need to do how would they help you oh yes <laughs> well Yes, it was very different when we started um, because I had that full-time job um, and because the guest house was running. Um, not only was the guest house bringing in income, but when people came to stay after a nice day, many of them also gave donations. Um, 
So since 2020, obviously so much has changed and um, we lost a lot of donors. We lost a lot of volunteers. And I know every nonprofit, you know, is, is going through something similar, not just nonprofits, businesses, everyone's had such a hard time. So um, there's been a lot of additional unexpected expenses. The animals are aging. So Quite honestly, the donations are not covering the expenses. And mm. luckily, because I was in financial services for such a long time, I have the savings and I've just been going into my, honestly, my savings in my retirement. Um, I never would have taken this on if I didn't know that if the donors weren't continuing to come through, you know, I could still make this happen. So, um, but it's at, it's at the point now where we really need to start getting donations to enable me to continue to do this and not have to one day say, geez, you know what, I have to go back. The animals will always be fine because I could always go back to getting another job and working and taking care of everybody here. Um, but the type of income from the guest house never is going to support this. We really need donations to the sanctuary. And yes, we are a 501c3. There's information on our website of how you can donate um, directly. Um, I think one thing I'll mention about that that a lot of people just tend to forget about is there's a lot of um, employee matching programs out there. So a lot of people will come to us and write us a, a check and make a donation. Um, and they're unaware that they work for a larger company that will match their donations. Um, there's a lot of programs like that. Um, so that sometimes can just double your donation up to a certain amount. Yeah, that's awesome. And also what I do every year is I give my birthday money. So um, from Facebook or whatever. Yes. Oh, hold on. That I is... Keep going. Keep going. Oh, I, I was going to say, I'm glad you mentioned that. And you have done this for us before and I appreciate it so much. And that's something that people don't realize how helpful that is. Um, so many people might not have a lot of money to to give themselves, but they have such a great social media presence. And if they um, find that they'd like to choose us as a cause, I mean, that is a huge thing, not just because people donate to that birthday fundraiser, but because they share a picture of our animals and our mission and our guest house and more people like our page and maybe we'll book a stay in the future. That helps us a great deal. Um, and uh, that's been really helpful, people using their, and it doesn't even have to be on your birthday. People can just say, oh, I'm, I'm deciding I wanna help. And if it's not our sanctuary, someone else's. Um, and that really helps a lot. And uh, again, 100% of donations that come to us all go directly to the animal care, whether it be their food, their vet care, their shelter, things like that. Yeah, and and it's an awesome place and and you should come visit once the guest house is open again. And and the thing is like, for example, to to piggyback on what you're saying, uh, we when I when the Vegan Writers of New York City released our book, for example, we have a book called Inner New York Minute, and we made our book release party a fundraiser, and we were able to raise uh, like $250. Well, it was actually 500 but we split it between you and Wild Tomorrow, which is uh, an animal wildlife preserve in South Africa, where they're also creating a habitat for wild animals as opposed to farm animals. And so between you and Wendy Hapgood, we, we, were, we raised uh, to give you both $540 or something like that. And it was, for me, it was a labor of love, of course, to put this all together. And then to know that that money is going directly to help the animals and to help provide for them is, it feels really good, and quite frankly, on a, on a sort of a selfish level. So if, you, if you're doing any sort of a fundraiser, consider doing something like that and donating your money to some of these worthy causes like Red Robin Song and also Wild Tomorrow because it's it's a way of really putting your money to amazing use, right? Some of these bigger charities, frankly, you're not going to know exactly where your money goes, but for some place like Red Robin Song, you're going to know that 100% of that money, as Lisa just said, is going to go straight to them 
straight to the animals. Anyway, I, I feel I feel like I'm I'm uh, <laughs> I'm a commercial for you, and I don't mind doing that. But at the same time, I know we have a conversation still. So um, I, I again, I can keep you here forever. Before I ask you my final question, I would love it if you would actually give the socials where can somebody follow you like on instagram i'm going to put it all in the show yeah. notes but please give it out so that if somebody's listening and they want to go follow you or find your website that they can do that easily yes thank you and we are in the process we haven't updated our website in a while there's some things that um we are going to be updating soon um but our instagram is red robin song underscore sanctuary and then we are on Facebook as two separate pages, Red Robin Song Animal Sanctuary and Red Robin Song Guest House. And we just, I wish I could say we're active on Twitter and, and oh, and then we are on TikTok also. We just had a great, amazing volunteer offer to set up a TikTok account for us recently. Um, and we're also on TikTok as Red Robin Song Animal Sanctuary. Oh, that's awesome. I did not know that. I will have to follow you. Or maybe I am already following you and just had forgotten. That's great, though. TikTok is fun because there you have so many videos of, of those wonderful, beautiful animals uh, on the sanctuary that it's just it's fun watching you on Instagram. So it's going to be super fun also watching yeah. everything on TikTok. So oh, and so yeah, I know we're running out of time. I, I just there's one note that I had one quick thing. If I can mention one more thing that I'm really of course. excited about. Um, because you asked about, you know, what's coming up, different retreats, maybe a writing retreat that we'll have some information about soon. But I wanted to tell you, um, we also, um, not too long ago, received a grant from the T. Colin Campbell Center for Nutrition Studies, which is, oh my gosh, an organization that I've just, you know, followed for such a long time that does such great work. And along the lines of trying to help educate people and show people how they could, um, um, do things to better their their own health and in addition the lives of animals on the planet we received a grant to turn our entire front lawn area um, from a grass lawn into um, vegetable gardens and a little workshop seminar space to teach people how to grow their own food how to prepare healthy vegan meals um, and all the other things that come along with it, like composting and creating pollinator gardens and things like that. It's something that I've wanted to do for a long time, but we just didn't have really the, the extra money to focus on something like that. Mm -hmm. And so we're also going to be offering, um, free workshops, um, probably online also, but to start in person where people can come and learn how to grow their own food. Um, it's, it's since I've been involved with that project, it's been really motivated, motivating too, because growing your own fresh produce is always so much tastier than buying something from the store. And it's also a healthier way um, for the environment and animals. So I just wanted to mention that as one other thing that we're really excited about that you'll be hearing more information about. That is awesome. Yeah, that's so cool. And that that area right there where you can see, you can also see the mountains right there. It's just, yeah. oh, it's gorgeous. And the sunset, it's a beautiful space that we've never really utilized. So I'm really excited about that. Oh, awesome. Fantastic. I can't wait to come visit once it's finished. That's incredible. Uh, Lisa, I am, <laughs> I could, again, I could talk to you for hours. This is super fun. I am really grateful that you took the time. I know you've got a lot of chores daily to do, but I'm Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me about the incredible work you're doing. I mean, really, it's so cool. And we're going to I'm going to talk more about the writing workshop once that the plans for that sometime in early September, we're thinking, but we haven't finalized plans for that. Keep listening to this space. You're going to hear all about that when that gets actually firmed up. Uh, I'm really excited about that. And I'm really excited to 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 talk with you and to get your really brilliant ideas on how to bring people more into harmony and alignment with the rest of the planet and the animals around them. I think that's incredible. Thank you so much for the work you're doing. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed all the time I spent with you and this has been great. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. So here is my last question. And I ask this of everybody who comes on the show. And I find that even though it's a simple question, it can lead to some really profound answers. And the question is this, if you had an airplane, environmentally friendly, of course, that could skywrite <laughs> anything for the whole world to see, what would you say?
I keep trying to think of something clever and obviously go vegan comes to mind immediately. <laughs> um, but let me think if I can think of, um, gosh, I, 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 I feel like I'm disappointing you by saying that, but no, um, not, I, I, that's the message perfect. we all need to just keep saying over and over as more and more people are, are listening to that message every day. And I think it's, um, Sometimes we all make the mistake of having a lost opportunity. You never know who you're going to impact and you're never going to realize who might be open to that message. So I think that's what I'd have to say. Go vegan. <laughs> I, I think that's I think that's great. I mean, really, I, that I have I have absolutely nothing to add to that. <laughs> Ta -da. Uh, again, Lisa, thank you so much for for taking the time to be here. I am so grateful. And I'm so I'm really grateful that I got to to spend time with you at Red Robin Song and to meet all of the animals. They're so wonderful. I'm about to start Can't crying. I yeah. will not. I will not cry. This is Isolde Trachtenberg for the Creative Solutions Podcast. You heard it here. Go vegan and also <laughs> find out more about Red Robin Song and the work that Lisa and her volunteers are doing to care for the animals, but also to bring more awareness about uh, animals, health, the planet to all of us. The, it's important work. It really is. These are sacred tasks she's doing when she's shoveling poop every day. It's sacred work. And we we are all well served to remember that, that, that those of us who take our lives in the direction of caring for those who otherwise would be defenseless are doing sacred work. I am Isolde Trachtenberg for the Creative Solutions Podcast. Stay tuned for more as always. Until next time, I remind you, be bold, be creative, and most of all, be kind. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you being here. Please subscribe to the podcast if you're new, and it would mean the world to me if you told a friend about it. Today's episode was produced by Isolde Trachtenberg and is copyright 2023. As always, please remember this is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Although, we can always hope. Until next time, keep living what you believe in.